0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right, this week we are finally, finally going to be introducing some R&B and funk, some good stuff. You guys know, regular listeners, that my two very favorite genres of music are 80s alternative, usually British alternative, or uh, funk and R&B from the 70s, early 80s. And this week we get to hear from founding member of the Daz band, Bobby Harris. So the Dazz Band came out of Cleveland in the 70s. They used to be known as Kinsman Dazz. Dazz, by the way, is danceable jazz. That's where that word comes from. So they put out a couple albums in the 70s that were really popular, especially around Cleveland. Uh, The first album was meant to have been produced by Marvin Gaye, and he couldn't do it at the last minute. And so Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind & Fire steps in and does it instead. So we talk about that, like what's Marvin like? What's Philip like? Eventually they moved to LA. There's a, there's a stint with Motown in here, by the way. We talk about that too. Uh, they had a number of hits on the R&B and dance charts. They only really crossed over to the pop charts once. And it's with this jam right here, Let It Whip, which reached number five in 1982. I love this song. I love everything these guys do. Well, they're still out there doing it. They're still touring. In fact, Bobby is in his early 70s, and they still perform shows all the time. He's not the front man, but he's he's sort of the musical director, if you will, of the Daz band still to this day. So I wanted to hear about Motown stories, r and b stories, Marvin Gaye's stories, all that kind of stuff. I hope you guys enjoy this. I love everything they do, and I hope you guys will go out and find some good funk and R&B from the Daz Band, if you do too. He called me from his home in Southern California.
1: Well, for starters, I, I think it's really interesting that here we are today, <clears throat> and you had a show in Vegas, I believe, just a couple of nights ago.
2: Yeah, right? absolutely. Yes, sir.
1: Tell me who yeah. you performed with.
2: Well, it was, um, it was pretty interesting, John. Um, it was Sugar Hill Gang, Melly Mel, uh, Houdini. It was pretty much the 80s, you know, the late yeah. 70s and 80s rap. And then the, the bands in my genre, they were bands, it was Morris Day, Oh yeah. Midnight Star and the Daz band. So oh, was, Yeah, so it kinda had the rap from that era and uh you know <laughs> Yeah you know, yeah, so it was it was it was cool, and It was fun.
1: Oh, that felt like heaven. How often yeah. do you perform like that?
2: You know what? Not very. Um I play with R and B bands. Um a lot of times it's not necessarily a rapper on the show. I might
3: yeah.
2: I might in let's say, you know, if in twenty shows it might be one or two that that basically have you know okay. a rap a rap act on it from that from that mm-hmm. era you know it's always a right hip hop or pre hip hop you know uh, yeah. nothing none of the new cats you know none of the new jacks sure. out there but it's one yeah from
1: the, uh, but you're probably out there with yeah. SOS band and Midnight Star and people like that a lot right Barkees bar-ca-
2: oh. more more can can Function okay uh, okay. Uh, um, uh, more so than Midnight Star and SOS, I I got two shows this month with with SOS. I mean, with our Midnight Star, SOS. Uh, maybe uh, maybe twice a year I see those guys, and I see all those. You know, they're all like we're all like brothers, man. You know, when sure. you see when you see each other, it's like you saw each other yesterday. You know, That's so course. yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, yeah.
1: I've got to make sure I I catch you guys. Do you normally do you travel? And perform all over the place, or usually in one location. What do you? What's the schedule like now? Yeah, we
2: have. Um, so we we travel all over the place. So far as the world is concerned, uh, we just have been going to Japan. You know, lately just okay. from, you know. uh But we used to. It, we used to be Brussels, France. You know, Italy. Uh, you know, uh, uh, England. You know, we make yeah. that run with a with a package, and you know, in okay. the, more more so. You know, in the mid eighties, John. Um, yeah. Um, and it's a little rougher now, and we're we're planning something uh something's been planned for us perhaps for the first uh or the second quarter of twenty eighteen to go back cool. over you know and do Europe, yeah the fortunate part about it is that this music just kind of hangs on, you know.
1: yes, it, stays, it sure it stays does around,
2: yeah, but uh in answer to your other question in the United states yeah we we do you know east coast, west coast midwest, you know uh
1: okay,
2: yeah, we're all over the place.
1: I live in Denver. did <clears> you <throat> ever come out here?
2: Oh wow, we did. We did a show in Denver this past year.
1: Really? Um, Where was I?
2: Oh, gee. Uh, do you know a guy, he does a thing, He's called. it's called Funk Above the Rest. It has a radio. No. Okay. Uh-uh. But it was, his, it was his anniversary, and it was an outside show. Uh, and I'm going to say July. You know, it was July of, of 2017. Yes, sir.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so angry. I missed that. I know. <laughs> oh. But we'll
2: be, we, we will definitely be coming back. Okay, good, good, yeah.
1: good, How old are you these days, you know,
2: Bobby? These days, um, I'm, I'm uh, clocking in at 27. 27? Uh,
3: <laughs> well, I good, a, you're
2: still in <laughs> <back>. Yeah, man.
1: <laughs> That's great. I have
2: a, I have a birthday uh, coming up. Really? Yeah. 28. The big 28. two-eight. It's the big 2 <laughs> man, so I'm going from, you know um, – well, I have, um, I've been doing this recording since 1977, which represents four years.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah. Wow. So, and um, I was a, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, so I've been doing this a long time. And uh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be reaching the age of uh, 72. Yeah. You know, oh, my and,
3: gosh.
2: You know, I have been blessed with um I guess the genetic disposition, you know, not propensity rather not to look like it and feel like it. Yeah. So so I I, I keep good it moving, you. you know, and um good for you. Yeah. Um my mom, um she lived to be ninety two. Uh, oh, she interesting. passed she passed in December and she was she was spiced, you know, spiced spiced up, spiced yeah. everything else, you know what I mean? So wow. So yeah.
1: Oh good. So okay, speaking of going back to the beginning, yeah. I have to know how in the world did Marvin Gaye almost come to produce that first Kinsman Daz album? Yeah. And then secondly, as if it's not, I mean, it's not that far off of a second prize, mm-hmm. how did Philip Bailey come in then and take his place and r- produce those first two albums?
2: Yeah. Well, Marvin Gaye was a favorite. Of, oh,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, one of, uh, well, quite naturally, I, you know, I grew up as a teenager, a late teenager on his music. Uh, and into the seventies, you know, sixties and seventies is a grown man, you know. There were a lot, a sure. lot of things were happening, you know. The Vietnam War. I mean, a lot of stuff was happening during the sixties and the early seventies. The music was just flowing from everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. So in 1977, uh, when we were negotiating this deal, uh, Marvin was a friend of one of the guys at 20th Century, mm-hmm. uh, and he called him Gates. You know, that, that was like a nickname. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, which 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 any, anyone would win a a great um, trivia contest with that one because you know, <laughs> no, no one knows that you
3: know so, <laughs>
2: you know so he had played some, you know some stuff for Marvin and Marvin said well I, I want to produce these guys so when we came out to uh, L.A. for the first time. Uh, we were in the studio, in, in his studio on Sunset Boulevard working with the great, you know, Marvin Gaye. And, um, mm-hmm. the interesting part about it is, uh, John, I come from working, my, my dad, my dad played saxophone and I came from, you know, like a purist jazz background as a saxophonist, you know. So I had, I had an opportunity because Cleveland was, was, was really a great town if you wanted to play. There were a lot of clubs, there yeah. was a lot of jazz going on and so forth. And so, on, and a lot of great players. And the thing that surprised me about Marvin was the fact that you know you you hear him singing, you know from Tammy Terrell days, mm-hmm. all the way down to that fantastic album What's Going On, mm-hmm. and and all the other works. But I never knew that he was as accomplished as a musician as he mm-hmm. was. I mean mm-hmm. he could he could play the piano, yeah, and and compose his own own songs. And um and I asked him. I said. I said, Marvin, when you, uh, you know, the multiple vocals that you used to have, you know, in your, in your songs, especially on that what's going on record, you know, how, how did you, how do you do that? You know, how'd you do that? You know, he said that I would sing multiple vocals and a lot of times get up at night and I liked the way I sang with myself. So I would leave mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff in, you know? Interesting. And, huh. uh, yeah, you know, and so, you know, he would, uh, there was four, we had four horns and, um uh four piece uh well five piece rhythm section uh you know including percussion player and uh the uh musicianship was on a very high level. I'm not trying to brag, but it was one of sure the same things where there were you know there were readers readers in the horn, you know, we we're readers of music and, and, and uh so we could do anything, you know, anything pretty much you know the Earth Wind and Fire Horn session could do, we could do, yeah. you know what I mean? Um and and uh so Marvin he would he would tell a drummer to start a beat. And then he give um, he give a bass player a part, and he give you know, and just get a groove going. And then we had this big ghetto blaster. That's what we called him back in the day, mm-hmm, sitting mm-hmm. in the middle of the room. And he would turn it on, and he would hum, just he would hum a melody in there, and and we would start doing horn parts and so forth and so on. And um, I was in heaven, man. I was like, man, yeah. I work great. Marvin, and, and it's coming off so, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, serendipity.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean
2: you know um yeah. that that's what we which I love anyway, but just the just the um the just he was just letting just cre- the creative juices just flow and land where they were going to land instead of contributing being part right. of of what a musical composition was about, you know he had been fasting, you know, and he and he became ill, he got sick, so that's why that's where that stopped that <laughs> when he got when he got oh, sick that's man. where that stopped. And the answer was part two of your question, how we got to Earth, Wind, and Fire, was, um, Harvey Cooper, at, at that time, was president of the 20th century. A very perceptive guy. So, he said, uh, Bobby, I need to talk with you. And I remember my management was going in the office as well. He said, no. I need to talk to him. I don't want to talk to you guys. I need to yeah. talk to him. And he went in, and closed the door, <clears throat> and he jumped up on you know, sat up on his desk, and he said, okay, here's the deal. You got, you know, 10 rooms at the Holiday Inn, mm-hmm. two rented cars, the meters are going. It's your money, but the meter's <laughs> going, and you don't have a producer. So what I want to do, I want to send you guys back, perhaps keep you out here, we we'll find a producer and get it together, and, and, and then we'll, you know, bring everybody back out. And I said, Harvey, I said, we can't do that. Yeah. You know, I said, because, you know, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and we were first band, because O.J.'s were from Canton, Ohio, so we were the first band to get a major recording contract out of there, you know, so I said, we got to go back with the record, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're out uh, here for a reason. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I, I had heard the uh, Filling Games. Greg Filling Games. Greg Filling Games, uh, that was one of the names, uh, George Duke, you know, I love George wow. Duke. Uh, yeah. Um, and then um, I and also uh, at that particular time. Philip Bailey was producing Stephanie Mills' record. He was okay because I mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar
1: with too many other yeah. production jobs that he'd yeah, done. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, okay. Right. He was doing Stephanie Mills. Got it. You know, and and I was in a fire freak. You know, you sure. know, I love I love the band, love love Child Stephanie and, and and Maurice. You know what they were doing with yeah. that so forth and so on. So I said, well, what about Philip? You know, he said, "Hmm, hmm, maybe I will make that call." You know, maybe, I'm, yeah, that might be a good fit. That might be a good fit. So, so he called Philip, and Philip got excited about it, and he brought Ralph with him, and um, uh, they had a, they had a production company called Holy Sound, and huh. um, and they commenced to. Uh, we stayed, obviously, and commenced yeah. to, you know, producing it. You know, producing that record. Yeah. yeah, and you
1: had you
0: had a couple of hits.
1: I yeah, we'll forget about loving you. Yeah.
4: i
2: Love, love, uh, on love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: those albums um i've been listening to them a lot lately to get ready to talk to you and yeah um they were definitely of that 70s r&b sound more than the funk oh yeah stuff that you guys got into later but yeah. it does sound to me like a, it reminds me of earth wind and fire it reminds me of the songs mm-hmm. that philip does specifically yeah.
2: within Absolutely. earth wind and fire Absolutely. you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. yeah and it was funny because john uh It uh, might as well forget about loving you uh was written by T Kane and Bacon. They were two country artists.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, really? so
2: so yeah, so if you get an opportunity and just, you know, Google them or, or whatever. Okay. Look, up, look up their the version, it was a country song. You know, she don't love you or her. you,
3: okay. but that's what it yep.
2: got, you know, that groove got put on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got put on that song. So Okay. And um so yeah.
1: I wanna ask you maybe a potentially sensitive question. Uh-huh. We all know that as much as everyone loves Gay, his life in the yeah. 70s was a mess. Yes. Yeah. Um, was him getting sick, do you think it had anything to do with some of the drug troubles and all the other things happening in his life at the time, or
2: was it a legitimate, like, you know, some kind of illness? Well, in retrospect, um, I, I would say it was, it was him trying to get his life together. You know, that, that's what the fasting was about because he – he didn't. Look, he did not look unhealthy. You follow me? Got it. Yeah, um, I do. Okay. Um, and um, you know, and you know, some people have a certain presence. You know, um, mm-hmm. I I I um I met Malcolm X. You know. Uh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. He had a presence. You know. He had. You know. You, you know. He had a presence. You know. Yeah. What I'm he could, he, he sure. could stand amongst men, but but he had a presence amongst men. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, Marvin Gaye had a. You know. He had a presence that you could kind of feel his energy and say, okay, this. This guy got you know he has something going on you yeah. know what I mean and, and uh, you know and you don't need a lot of people like that you know Maurice Wright you know Maurice yeah. had a presence you know he you know you could tell that there's some energy
1: mm-hmm. that
2: was going on with him you know what I mean you know I uh, do they say so, that
1: about yeah. other about famous people a lot you know you'll mm-hmm. be in the room mm-hmm. with somebody who's famous and they're just electric they give yeah. off a you know a vibe or a buzz that you feel. When yeah you're in the room with them. Yeah. yeah yeah and I can totally
2: and, and, see and that. it's the and it's the um it's the it's the non pretentious you know yeah. they're not disingenuous in in their character, you know what I mean right so, yeah, so therefore you know you just you just feel the realness because you know the b s is in a room, you know you could feel that too, you sure. know what I mean, but but mm-hmm. uh, so these guys kind of separate themselves you know from that yeah. you know from the creative aspect of them just separates themselves from that you got it,
1: yeah, it yeah. makes sense,
2: mm-hmm. okay.
1: So I'm curious, after a couple albums with 20th Century, you move over to Motown. Yes. That had to, I, I don't know, I'm, would that have felt like, was that a big deal? Because I'm guessing if you grew up in Cleveland, in the Midwest, mm-hmm. around that time period, yes. we all know Motown is the Holy Grail. I mean, the <laughs> yeah. most, most perfect music of Absolutely. all time, yeah. and they want you on their mm-hmm. roster, Yes. Did it, were you feeling that way, like a sense of sort of I've arrived or graduated, or maybe we're more special than others at this moment? Are you feeling that?
2: Well, you know what this 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 the crazy part about it. Earth, wind, and fire. That experience was challenging. Really? Um, yes. In, in this in this particular instance, because you know if you you know if you listen, I mean which you, which I know you have. You know, uh-huh. you heard the songs and stuff. You know, we, you know we had pretty intricate horn parts. Yeah. You know, very you know, and string parts and this and another. And so, so it was almost like, okay, if it was if it was Earth, Wind and Fire, which which is bringing pretty much Maurice White influence into the situation. Sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, um, if if that's the creme the creme, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? What the what the necessary the label was because you know because of that person. Now going back to your question, I grew up on Motown stuff. I mean, sure. you know, my first my first forty five my sisters and I our first forty five record was was uh, Jackie Wilson. You know, a long good that's a long time ago. So so I you know what I mean? And, yeah, and so, you know, in Temptations. You know, I mean, we grew up. You know, that was that was the soundtrack of our teenage lives. You know. So, yeah. so in answering your question, yeah, it was. We felt, we felt like um, uh, wow, because it, like we're on Motown records, and that's one of the most recognized motifs in the world. You know, it was, it was, it was Playboy Bunny, and the Motown, and AT and T were the three most recognizable, you know, motifs <laughs> that in the world.
3: Makes sense, yeah. You know what
2: I mean? I mean, you know, okay. and so you, you know, how you, I was thrilled, but it was almost like a. It was like a membrane that you passed through mm-hmm. a musical musical membrane mm-hmm. that you passed through that you kind of felt that you earned the right to pass through it got if it, okay, makes, if, that, if that makes sense to you sure well you, know? you and uh-huh. you guys were hot, yeah, and
1: you'd put out two perfect albums and mm-hmm. Philip Bailey's on it, and mm-hmm. Marvin mm-hmm. almost on it I mean you had yes. to feel like yeah like you earned that in
2: a way. yeah, yeah, and so good. and and those guys they that and and i I mean which became they became really good friends of mine is is uh
0: Skip Miller
2: who was uh a senior VP there. Uh, um, uh, Miller London who was the senior VP there, you know, the VP there. Uh they, these guys were hawking us in the studio because my 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 manager at that particular time, our manager, he, he had a um a record distributorship. So he knew guys from both town, you know, and and, yeah. and and one of my managers was, was, was one of my friends in high school that worked for you know they worked for uh, a Progress Records, and uh, so we you know he knew people there at Mo so Council knew some of the regional guys and so forth and so on. So they were coming over and checking us out, and they were saying, "When you're done here, you, you we're going to steal you guys." So they were telling mm-hmm. him, he, they were telling telling us that when we were working, you know, on those records, yeah, uh, that second record, you know, okay, and um, okay. and Neil Neil Porknell, who is you know who he is, who's, he's hit at the Grammys.
1: Yes, that's how I know um, that name. Yeah.
2: Yes, sir. And he was—he had taken over this Yale job at, at 20th Century when he was facing out the, uh, the record end of it. And he was such okay. a great guy. Um, he said that I'm not going to try and hold you yeah. guys here. It's Motown. You know, if you got a chance, go to Motown. You know, you know, you should go because you know we're going to be phasing yeah. us out anyway. But he's just so perfect as a as a as a gentleman and a, yeah and a, and a businessman you know he just just wished us luck you know what i mean sure. and uh, and i you know i always have a great admiration for him for that you know because it was not a struggle or a fight yeah. to get out of that sure. country, okay
1: you know? <laughs> okay so you make the transition to motown and yeah. invitation to love comes out 1980 mm-hmm. that's yes. a great album albums before Let It With hit yep. in like 1982 yeah. was, and during that time your sound, as I was saying earlier, goes more mm-hmm. from an R&B mm-hmm. driven sound to a funk driven sound mm-hmm. did you, was that a natural progression for you guys? Were you getting really into you know, synthesizers and heavier bass and all that kind of stuff? Or was Motown sort of leading you in that direction like we need, we need you to be a little more commercial
2: and this is what's happening and so we need
1: you to adjust
2: yeah, um it I would say it was um it was a natural progression only in this instance, you know, when when uh we found like a mini you know, a mini earth wind fire. Sure. Without the hits, you know, yeah. some and and that was because of the production, you know. And uh-huh. um so when we got to Motown, um Lee Young Senior was the guy was head of A and R department at R and B. Okay. And Lee Lee Young Sr., um, uh, his brother is the great Lester Young.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. he was a drummer himself, you know, and, and so he knew music, you know, and uh, so he had this guy named Reggie Andrews that was working yeah. for Motown, and so he called me up and said, hey, you know, I'm sending this guy to you uh, that can help you guys uh you know, you gonna like him, blah, 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 etc., yeah. so just, um, you know, I'm listening, you know, and uh, um, I never was ego tripping over whether, you know, I either wrote something or produced something or so, okay. because I was still, I was still learning, yeah. you know, uh, I had all this music in my head, but I was still trying to be Marvin Gaye or trying to be Maurice White or, or you know, just one of those producers, songwriters, you know.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway,
2: um, he sent Reggie Andrews to us. Okay. And and I when I picked Reggie up at the airport in Cleveland, by the time we got to the other side of town, I mean I felt like I had known this guy like, like my whole life. And, really? And, and uh yeah, he he Great. was almost like the perfect perfect pitch. Um perfect pick. and he, yeah. that was that was a forty slip. I said perfect pitch because he has perfect pitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he brought meaning to Because uh, he was he was on early earth winning Fire records too and he also had a band called Karma that he had some mm. of the great you know musicians like Ernie Watts and oh, you know, Charlie nice. and, yeah. and different you know Oscar sure, and different guys in his own particular band and he also was a teacher at a school called Locke High School out there and Patrice mm. Russian was a student. Yep. Yep. Uh, Joel Albright was a student. Um, uh, Danny Lamell with uh, the with, uh, Rick James sax player uh-huh. I mean, he just had a plethora of people that that, it, that came through him. Okay. Got into the business so. Um, and he also did uh, production on, on Switch, you know the band Switch, sure,
3: mm-hmm. stuff
2: like that. So anyway, yeah. you know we brought he brought a guy, you know to kind of stabilize us. And okay. So, so the synthesizers entered into the mix in the funk because that's where we were kind of hitting before we went to 20th century. Anyway, so we just kind of uh-huh. started revisiting that and started skewing that down to a heavier, more heavier, punchier, okay. driven sound. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, you know, I hope this isn't too indelicate. By this point, mm-hmm. you're in your mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've been in the game for nine years, I think, at this point. Yeah. You know? You're not a young kid anymore. Right. So how how, right. is this, uh, how is your life changing? I mean, there has to be a moment where you guys are a very well-respected mm-hmm. um, R&B group, but who isn't having a ton of hits, but probably mm-hmm. – can play good shows and, right. you know, get some airplay on the R&B channels and stuff like that, and suddenly you've broken through with this gigantic hit, and things have to change after that. You mentioned that you didn't, you didn't have a problem or there wasn't any jealousy with Reggie since he wrote that song. Mm-hmm. But how did your life change in that moment? Well,
2: you went from, well, well. You, if you're, you're asking me as an individual or the band? Or...
1: Yeah, yeah, well, both. Yeah. I mean, like, okay. you know, did... Mm-hmm. You suddenly probably mm-hmm. had more money. You definitely yeah, that, had more. That's true, yeah. You know what I mean? You had more <laughs> yeah. uh, recognition. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing with power and money often comes some, you know, some jealousy and some problems and oh, bans all does. the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. What what what
2: kinds of things were you facing and dealing with? Well, it's interesting, um, uh, John. It, it's uh, We went from having two records on 20th Century Two on Mo, Motown, which made four albums, and then on the yep. fifth album, you know, having a smash, again, still looking like you were overnight success because of the other records being pretty silent. Yep. The advantage I am in Cleveland was I had played since I was 19 years old every freaking bar from our, on the west side.
0: You know what I mean? Uh, to the yeah. east
2: side, and I had some great bands. I mean, yeah. you know, during that time, I had—I I really had some really great bands. And I had a great time, so people knew me. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. grew, went to mm-hmm. school there. I, I seriously grew up there. The 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 uh, the Wileys and and uh, Kenny Petters and those guys—they they were a basement band. They, they weren't a club band. Got it. So so people didn't know them until we started doing this. Okay. As a, as a, uh, so it, yeah, it, things change. Um, Pretty quickly because, you know, I had to let a couple of guys go. And then it was really funny because the song was going up the chart. You know, we hadn't hit the number one spot yet, but but, but everyone, one of the guys, his name is Jesus Garber, he's a regional promotional guy from OTAN and another, another great guy. And uh, he just called me up and said, Bobby, what's it called?" He said, Woohoo! He said, Man, that thing's taken off like that, you know. And uh, Don Cornelius, yeah, my manager and said, I want these guys on my show. And it was like, "And was like, oh, well, cool. But it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, John. But he said, he said, when say, well, Saturday. I said,
4: Saturday? You know, yeah. <laughs>
2: you know what I mean? You know, yeah. it's like Saturday, you know. And so yeah. it was, um, it was. Uh, we, we did that choreography in the back. Of, really? Of the building that day, we came up with that. No way. Steps and whatnot, you know, because yeah. um, I even looked at myself and the expression on my face sometimes just doing them. I was like, uh, I am not comfortable with this at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that step
1: again? I just learned it five minutes. Yeah, you again. know what I mean. You know. Yeah.
2: And um, you know, and so and we and so you're pretty much just thrust into yeah. to the you know you you were somewhere in the middle of the line and they called yeah. your name and said okay you know you're You're not going up to first class, but you're getting ready to go to business class right now. Right, right. right. um, Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. You know, you mentioned this, and this was something I wanted to ask you about. I've been Mm -hmm. watching these clips of you guys from American Bandstand and Soul Train and stuff like that back in the day. And uh, you're right. You guys are still doing the choreography, and Mm -hmm. you're wearing the suits. And that seems to me, that's definitely from like an earlier era. You know, that's the temptations. Mm -hmm. And the OJs and those type of guys, that's their style. By by yeah. the early 80s, Earth, Wind & Fire, SOS Band, Midnight Star, they're all going kind of space age. Yeah, you know right, They're right, wearing yeah. crazy clothes. But right. you guys were.
2: And no, I was curious no. if
1: that was a conscious choice.
2: Were you, yes, it was.
1: It was. So you were keeping yes. it old school kind of on purpose. Why? It was
2: Well, only because if you're, if you're in a suit, right, and, uh-huh. and we looked at it as being a business suit, Okay. okay. So you're going to work. And you can always dress a business suit down, but you can't dress mm-hmm. a space suit up. You know what I mean? You know? yeah, and so, yeah. And so, and so, and we, and plus, isn't it kind of interesting? Um, I'll give you a real quick story. We did uh, yeah. we did a show, we opened up for cameo in uh, at the Circle Star Theater in San Francisco. Okay. And this, this writer that was there, he said he particularly came to see us because he liked the music, but he didn't oh. saw it. And he said, all of a sudden, he's, he's, I've seen eight guys go up on stage in these suits. You know, and he said, in these business suits. That's because we were black. You know, I had the black suits, the red ties, and red shoes. And boom, boom, boom. You know, and he said, oh, he said, this is not going to be anything. I don't, I'm not even digging how these cats are looking you know? <laughs> yeah. you know, but he said, hey, but he said, man, by the end of the show, I was like everybody else standing on my feet sweating and, and realized I just there got, got my butt kicked by eight guys in a busy shit, you know, <laughs> and, and, and and it helped us image-wise because we worked the um, grad night at Disney. Oh, oh really? Um, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, image, image is everything, you know. Sure. Um, uh You don't, you know, a little different. Back then, from today, but you know, a lot of a lot of places that are family-oriented places, they don't like to just put any kind of act. You know, they'll put a in cool a gang or a dad's Band, or you know, or, you know, it has a lot to do with you image. Sure, yeah. You know, so, so um, yeah, it was so it was conscious. You know, it was a conscious. Okay,
1: so interesting. Wow. Yeah. Now, I should establish. I mean, you're basically the. I, I hope I'm saying this right. I mean, yeah. uh, Daz Band is basically your band. I mean, you're sort of the. Musical director, the guy that started it, but you're not the lead singer. No, not all, not all the time, right? No, so what? No. What is your primary responsibility in the band over the years?
2: uh that's a good question. It became multiple. Um, it? Okay. The youngest guy to me probably was eight years younger. Oh. Okay. All the way down to ten years younger. So, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. 31. pretty okay and, so. and these guys are like twenty yeah and 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 uh it's a big difference between that you know back then, you know what I mean you know and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i was I was already you know married, had a family, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera, and so my whole thing was trying to find out what the chemistry was going to be with dealing with younger cats and okay. when when we started off um if I say jump, they would say how high.
3: Right. As time
2: progressed, you know, you say jump, and they say, well, I'm not jumping. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just as far <laughs> as you, well, you know, and so yeah. that starts to unfold the tent because. Know, but 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 they weren't readers. You follow mm-hmm. me? You know they could just play anything that you told them to play. Yeah. Because they were naturally, they had they have, what I call, you know, I had, you know, they had to gift, that God-given talent. You know, so yeah. so you have to take that and direct it, you know, um, in the direction that it needs to go uh, in order for you know to be successful. You know, everybody has to be musically on the same page, and then yet still be satisfied that they're getting out of their instrument. You know, their instrument is. down to they're not playing down so much that they're not getting satisfaction of a challenge. Okay. So okay. so yeah. we kept, you know, so my idea, back to the real question, my thing was what's the challenge, okay? Mm-hmm. Always have a challenge. I always want to win. I played sports. I played team sports, and I always wanted to win, you know. So you say, okay, well, our challenge is Cameo, Barkays, SOS, function. All those guys that are out there before us, Gap Band, you know, to, to go out there and earn their respect. Yeah. And that's our challenge. Okay. So, as a leader, it, I tried to keep the fire running. Got it. Okay. And okay. It, and it was very difficult to do so. Yeah,
1: yeah I believe it. Yeah. And you, um, as far as the performance goes, are you're singing backup? I think are you are you singing lead on very many of these songs? I don't even know for sure.
2: I did I did lead on some things. Um, you did, um, and then either, even even Reggie used to call me the geek the geek man because I because I you know I would I would kind of sing with uh, with a lot of you know with a lot of attitude. But I not uh-huh. I wouldn't I'm not a singer singer. You know I'm a I'm a saxophone yeah. player that sings. I'm not a singer. that. Okay. Plays that but but I know. How something's you know is supposed to go. Okay. So so sometimes he would feature my voice a little more up in the background vocals or you know, another it. guy that was kind of doing the same thing I was doing. And, and I actually did some leads on some stuff, you know. Okay.
1: So, yeah. Okay. So the follow-up single after "Let It live is "Keep It Live,"
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That does pretty well on the RB cards. It doesn't go up the pop charts. Right. I was curious, and that goes for, you know, I think even joystick. Mm-hmm. I love that joystick
2: album. Yeah, joystick went pop.
1: That yes. had some more success on the pop yes, charts, right. still not you know to the level not top five, but no. are you feeling disheartened at all that other songs that you're putting out there are not reaching the same level as "Let It Whip"? Or do you care? Are you thinking <laughs> you, you know, know we're I, still doing pretty well in the yeah, RV charts? You know,
2: yeah, yeah. Pack
1: the houses, we're fine.
2: Yeah, I didn't care, and you I'm, didn't I'm, care. I'm okay. and, well only because I didn't look at it like that, John. You know I me. Mean? I wasn't I wasn't looking for another let it whip because let it whip it came it you know it was organic it came um from uh, from outside of us, you know, Reggie Andrews and uh Duke County wrote it. But but you can, you know, I love I love knights. You know, I love, you know, the stories about knights and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and, and sword fight and fighting and whatnot, you know. But you know when King Arthur, you know, when the knights were looking for the Holy Grail. Yeah. Never found it, did they? Yeah. A lot of I them mean. died. A lot of <laughs> them died. And, and you sure, can you can keep looking to duplicate or replicate something that you might miss something else that will do just as well, but in yeah. just another way. Mm-hmm. You know, so so um, we didn't uh, once we established that kind of electronic infused uh, funk, you know, infused infused with our live instruments to kind of kind of change the game around a little bit. You know, uh, yeah. we kind of had to stay there, but. Um, I was fortunate enough because Rick James was on Low Town and Rick James was on fire. And Rick James had, you know, Rick James put the punk in front of his punk, right? Yeah. He said, he he sure said did. punk funk. Mm-hmm. So the minute he said punk funk, he, he he crossed over because he said punk.
3: Yeah. You, know, you follow
2: me? You know, yeah. So he, so he was, you know, so when we were with him, we were opening for Rick. And and he were drawing he was drawing a lot of whites, um, uh in the South and, and, and mm-hmm. Midwest and everywhere else and so and he had a general admission ticket. So when we got on stage, you know, we had we he was selling out sixteen, seventeen thousand seat arenas, so so we had twelve thousand people in front of us nice. and about fourteen thousand by the time we got to let it whip. That helped that song cross over. Nice. You know what okay. I mean? So yeah, then we were with Cool the Gang, who was a crossover act, you know what I mean? So we got we got the exposure over there anyway, you yeah. know what I mean, without necessarily having the record that was jacking the charts, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But we, we had the exposure over there. Got it. Uh, okay. That made that made that, um, that audience, that that pop audience, aware of us. You know? Got it. But, okay. Uh, yeah.
1: Now, i got to ask you about writing good music because, mm-hmm. you know, funk music, it's so much about the feel and the groove, and the mm-hmm. words tend to kind of come secondary is that what happens? I mean, you take a song like Party Right Here or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining guys as seasoned and as good musicians as you guys were. Are you just kind of in a room jamming, coming up with things that sound good? And when you get in a flow, that becomes a song and you attach some words to it? Or is it more thought out than that? If somebody actually, you know, I've got some lyrics and I'm writing out charts. and I'm, You know, I wrote this on a piano. What? How do you go about writing great yeah,
0: great B music like you do. Alright, gang, let's break in for a little bit of business. We haven't done one of these for a couple of weeks, so I have some back shares that I wanted to thank everybody for. It's largely the the same um, you know kind of usual suspects, and I'm so grateful for all of you, my gosh. Grown up rock, Sunny Pooney, Jay Sablowski, always can count on Jay. Suburban Underground, my guys, we're gonna be recording another episode here soon for their show that I'll share with all of you. Hopefully you guys like that. Uh, Carrie Carlson Hub Rigel, Save Rock and Metal, are Mysterious Buddies Ty Ray, I See Greg uh, Curious World, Jason Simons. These are all people who have shared the last couple of episodes and so thank you, thank you everybody for doing that. We would be nowhere without you. I'm so grateful. Also along those lines I'll read you a couple of uh, reviews. We've gotten some new ones lately. Thank you. Uh, The first one is from No Doubts, and it says, it's five stars, thank you. Long casual conversations equals insights, I believe. John, you've got heart, (laughs) and you patiently draw stories out of your guests. I've done a first pass back through the Hustle archives to listen to artists of interest to me, but at some point, I'll go back and listen to everything. Great, that's all we ask. Go in, if you're new, go in. Look for names you recognize from bands you like. Listen to those. Start there. If you like the style, like what I'm doing, or go in and look for some of the other ones and then try everything. Hopefully there's some good stuff for you in there. And then top five all time. I believe that's our buddy, Mike Wagner. Thank you, Mike. Five stars. Great podcast. Great, great podcast. John is a great interviewer. Love and learn something with every episode. Each show is like a mini rock doc. I love that. And that really encapsulates this. It's what if you had, what if you did behind the music episodes for bands that aren't the biggest bands that everyone knows? What if every band got their episode of, of uh, behind the music? That's kind of what we're doing here. And then one more, five stars, great podcast, awesome show idea from Goth Rockstar. I think that's it. This podcast is weapons grade music geekery. I love it. Each episode is a deep dive in with a former and sometimes current hitmaker. The guests are great, and with this subject matter, we'll never run out of inter- interesting people to talk to. Two tips. <laughs> here we go. Sink some dollars into some audio software to match the volumes of voices and music. Yes, a little polish now will sound great in hindsight in a few years. Yeah, I, I know, we're, we're starting to do more and more on Skype with uh, microphones and everything. So there's gonna be better sounding, better quality being integrated in. But I will tell you guys, I use this very simple app most of the time called Tape-A-Call that I paid 10 bucks for. And it is so easy for me and the guest because sometimes they are in their car. Rather than everyone having to like carve out time and get on a computer and make, make sure Skype works, I can just call someone directly turn on the app and we're done. It's just a recorded phone call. The sound quality isn't the greatest, but that's that's the easiest thing to do. So that's why you hear them like this. Uh number 2, turn down the fanboy a notch and a half. Great show. The fanboy yeah. <laughs> okay. That's actually the thing that I hear from most people that they like is that I'm like a fanboy. I only reach out to bands I love. Uh we'll see. We'll see. If I'm too if I'm too uh sappy or lovey dovey, you guys tell me and I'll try and rein it in. But I really can't help it. Imagine yourself if you got to talk to one of your favorite rock stars ever, like Bobby Harris, if you got to tell Bobby Harris how much you love him and the Dazz band, would you just do that casually? Would you not do it to be cool? Or would you just lay it on because it's been inside you for 30 years waiting to get out. That's what this is. So this is my one moment to tell these people that I love them. I'm not gonna pass that up. Sorry, if that makes me a fanboy. I wanted to get to some requests. We haven't had a ton lately, which is good because as of right now, I've got nine interviews in the can, I think, and three or four being scheduled. It is it is crazy right now. And there's people coming to me all of a sudden saying, do you want to interview my client? It's nuts. So I will get to these as quickly as I can. There is just no shortage these days of good guests. It's crazy. So Roland Moog, or Mog. It's spelled like the Moog, the instrument, but isn't it universally, I can't remember. I feel like it's universally known that we all say Moog, but you pronounce it Mog. Or maybe I have that wrong, anyway. Uh, Roland was really pushing for Alan Rankin of the associates, which is great because I've had the associates on my mind as well. And I know that Alan's the last man standing. He's the only one left still alive. And I have meant to get in touch with them and I have not done it yet. I sent Alan a friend request on Facebook. He accepted. So as soon as my calendar clears, uh, I'm going to go reach out to Alan and get, get him on here. Hopefully he will agree. And then Hicks, I don't know who that is. I've been corresponding a lot lately with a guy on Twitter named Hicks, and he's Australian. And so he's pushing for a lot of Australian artists, understandably. Hicks, I don't know your real name. Anyway, Hicks was asking about Sean Kelly of the Australian band Models. Uh, I got turned down. I've tried him. Uh, I got a no. Thank you, Susan McDonald, by the way, my, my Australian connection who helps me with a lot of these people. Um, but one, another member of that band may come on at some point. So that one, uh, you may hear more from models at some point. And then Hicks had a great idea. Mark Opitz. Now, Mark was a producer for the, for NXS and ACDC and a bunch of other bands, but during NXS's heyday. And I've always trying to get someone from NXS on here and I've never been successful. And so maybe Mark will do it. I did send him an, an email through the contact button on his website. I have not heard back. As I mentioned in that Q&A episode that everyone seemed to really like, uh, that is par for the course. At least two-thirds of the people I reach out to I never hear back from, if not more. So hopefully Mark will come on and we can talk about his career and NXS and ACDC and all the other great bands. Beta Xavier Zed. Now, I talk to Beta all the time. That's obviously not his name. He... Um, Likes to stay sort of incognito. I don't remember what your real name is, Beta, even though we're like best Facebook buddies at this point. Anyway, he recommended, and I thought this was great, Brian Nash, who played guitar for Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I have been wanting to get somebody from Frankie on here for a while. I think I reached out to Holly Johnson once and didn't hear back. Well, Brian Nash, the guitarist, wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago. And so I started reading that book and I've reached out to Brian a couple of times. I have not heard back, but I'm hoping that he will come on and we can talk about the book and learn more about Frankie goes to Hollywood. That's an excellent one as well. So those are the current requests. Lastly, I just want to say one more time there are t-shirts out there. Um, I, it got fixed. I think now that the holidays are over, they're easier to find. So if you go to Amazon, you just type in hustle podcast, merch, T-shirts will come up. And I had heard from some people that there weren't a lot of sizes available. There's a bunch of sizes available now, by the way. And I was talking to my buddy Ryan, who's sort of manning the shirt part of all of this. And there are now, like, hoodie options. So we may put some hoodies up there, too, at some point. They'll They'll cost more, obviously, but... Uh, that might be an option. The long sleeve shirts are an option. Uh, I still get pictures and texts and emails from people who are getting their shirts. By the way, uh, if you're an international listener, I found this out recently. Um, we They do not ship internationally, I don't believe. But I heard from one of you, Mark, uh, and I made this offer. I had to do this for Yan, actually. Assuming we all trust each other here, Uh, if you want, I will order it for you and I will mail it to you and you can pay me back Um, I'm happy to do that so if you are international and you want a shirt and you can't get it shipped to you through Amazon tell me and I will buy it for you ship it to you and you can pay me back so long as we're all going to be honest and love each other here which I think we will I trust you I hope you trust me so anyway if you want to do that let me know Uh, let's get back to Bobby Harris
2: well, you know what you, you you just answered your your own question. Because Did I? Okay. You, yes, because you said all three or four ways that it can happen.
3: <laughs> you know what okay. I mean?
2: You know, yeah. um, um, uh, sometimes, John, you just you just have an idea, um, okay. and and you you write you write a song. You say, "Oh wow, I got this melody in my head." Okay. And I have these lyrics in my head, but I don't necessarily have the music, you know. So you might sit yeah. with a piano player in our group, you know, or a guitar player or whatever, and you work out the chord changes, you know, blah blah etc. Mm-hmm.
3: Then
2: sometimes you are jamming and you hit something, you know, and say, oh, okay, I'm digging this groove here. Let's put some lyrics yeah. on this groove, you know. And then sometimes, you know, you have a personal experience, and you write, you write about, mm-hmm. you know, love, you know, write a love song based on a personal sure. experience or. Or even a ditty based on a on a personal experience. And and sometimes you uh you write something that's really that you think is really good. You know what I mean, John that, 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 that lyrically you say, Oh man, this is really laced up, the story is great, you know, the track sounds great, but people won't feel it, you know, or, or only or only a certain age group will feel it, you know. That part it's like it's like um a great ride, like okay, like Prince. Okay, Prince. Prince was 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 on fire just pinning, you know. He he, he pinned toilet paper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it would, yeah. You know, it would just it would just work, you know. Yeah. And and you get in the flow of that, and then once you when you're in the flow of that, you know it's a you know it's like okay well you know I'm gonna have John over my house, but I know John likes you know shrimp and I know he likes steak and so forth and so on and blah blah blah. Yeah. So I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna give you your steak and you know, I'm gonna give you your shrimp, but I'm gonna throw this dessert on you that you're not that you mm-hmm. never had before. So yeah. that's dessert where we do one or two things. You go like, Wow, that was fantastic or well well the main course was great but the dessert sucks, you know. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> right. so with a song with a song you you s you, you try to wow, what what does my audience what is my audience listening to? Um, what have I seen work? when I'm in front of my, my audience, you know, and then you you go through that process. Then you over-conceptualize and miss it. You feel me, you know?
1: Yeah. And, I, and a lot of
2: times I've done a song and, I, and I've changed it and I've gone right back to what I had originally and the original one, the, my original idea was the one that worked. Yeah,
1: yeah. You
2: know? It, even it now, comes all different ways. Yeah, it, it just like comes. Just not yeah, it is, okay. It's not one way. It, it, okay. not one way.
1: Okay. yeah. So, um... One of the things we try to touch on on here is Mm -hmm. sort of the business side of things because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, people don't really understand that well sometimes how the music business works. Mm -hmm. Um, Two questions for you. Number one, could you live off Let It Whip money for the rest of – mailbox money for the rest of your life? I know you didn't write it, but you, you know, probably have a good performance royalty on Mm -hmm. that. Could you? And then secondly – well, answer that one, and I have a follow-up question for you, actually.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the it's it's basically the whole body of work um, okay. that 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 enables you to to work. You can when you have a band the size of my band that that we had eight to nine guys. Yeah. All those guys don't write. You yeah. everybody can't write. The minute the minute the more people start writing, the less the hits came up. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. so you, your primary income is from touring. Yeah. That's you know. Um, okay. Um, so so it's just like now we're we're fortunate. I mean, you know, the Midnight Stars or FOS is all we're touring and we're playing those songs that we played back in the eighties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh we're working on we're working on new music and so so are some other bands, you know what I mean? But yeah, but touring touring is that's the that's the major. that's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Major,
1: okay. You know? yeah. Especially nowadays when people don't buy music anymore. Yeah, that, you, that, that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you meant you cu- you mentioned what my follow-up question was going to mm-hmm. be, and I whenever I see large bands like yours, I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. there's eight or nine guys up on stage, and right? It's got to be a challenge to pay everybody yeah. and and make sure everyone can you know pay their bills being a member of the Daz Band, or and I don't mean to single you out, any band mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. a lot of people in them, right? That's got to be a challenge, you know yeah. what I mean? It is it? Is, it, uh, is really so? I'm wondering, I mean, are there members of the dad's band who today have to – have you ever had to do anything outside of music? Have you ever had to go get a regular job or, um, you know, diversify in some
2: way? I – no. Okay. I am um, uh, – and I'm going to tell you why. Um, I stopped uh, my last secular job it was 1974. And I used to, and I still do. I don't, I don't do it as much, but I used to love to shoot pool. So, so I would be yeah. in the pool pool room in Cleveland, Ohio, every day. Yeah, you know, was some pool, and there were some guys that came, you know, to the pool and was regulars, and when I was, you know, it was a big place. You know, I had ten tables sure. and so forth. So, you got to know everybody, and we were, you know, I was a youngster, I was eighteen, nineteen years old, twenty then, and so they came in and they were working in Republic Steel. JNLCO, USSTO, Chrysler Tank Plant, General Motors, Ford. You know, Cleveland was like Detroit. It was a steel town. Okay. Blue-collar town. You know, money was flowing yeah. so forth and so on. And uh, I remember one day those guys came in, and, you know, someone were getting ready to retire, and they went to go to work, and the darn door was locked. Uh, you follow me? Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the money was gone. I mean, the place bankrupt. Um they had to i don't even know if they were able to even get their pensions out of the thing and so forth I mean the union team says union was strong, but I mean what the company was adding to it so anyway, they got hosed yeah and and I said to myself, you know um i work i worked i worked at a um uh just just to kind of like uh, set this up so you so you don't think I'm a hole you know um <laughs> i grew up I grew up in a, a very diverse area. I grew yep. up in one. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. Jewish, Italian, Hungarian, and black. Mm-hmm. My elementary school, my junior high, and my senior high was that, period. You know, yeah. um, and it was pretty much, I would say, white to black ratio, pretty much maybe 65% white, 35% black. You know, blah, blah. Yeah. Stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. so played football, had my white friends, had my black friends. Had You know, I, I didn't know any different. You know, we sure. were just boys. You know, I'd go over to my Italian friend's house. His dad would kick my ass. And he come over to my house and mess up and my dad would kick his sure. ass. I mean that's sure. the way it was. Sure. But so I'm sounded to it is so so when you when you uh, uh I was working at a company which I which I won't name and okay. and all the all the black drivers had left. It was a it was a it was a uh um uh, well it was Coca Cola bottling company, i think, right? Oh, got it, okay. And and so and so and so I was the they they had five black drivers for the whole city and I was the youngest guy on the totem pole, and most guys, they started leaving and going to beer routes because beer was easier, and, and, you know, you made more money. You did less, you know, instead of doing 30 stops today, day, you were doing 10, you know, sure. more money. So I'm left there, you know, so I'm, they gave me a better route. Because you know, I was in the hood, man. When I first started off, I was in the hood. Really? Oh, man, would I have to throw... Some places you have to throw a case down the just so the rascal runs so you go get the bottles, you know. So, and then watch yourself in the streets on top of it. So it was pretty cool. Right. But anyway, so all the guys are left, and, and so for a supervisor, um, job, you know, hey, I'm the, I'm the only black guy on the totem pole there. Feel me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they bring in this kid. You know, we were about the same age, but this white guy, and he said, hey, he's going to go out with you, teach him, you're going to teach him the ropes, because he's going to be your new supervisor. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, uh, okay, and I left that truck, and told him, you know, one day, and told him, well, your truck is on, you know, 79th and Cedar, and it's locked up, you all can come get it, you know, and I'm I'm gone, you know.
3: Yeah. And And so...
2: I made up my mind. I said, "I'm, I'm not going to work for anybody. I'm, I'm yeah. going to work for myself, I'm just going to play music. And, and whether I make a lot of money or a little money, the difference is going to be when I don't have any money or have a job. I'm actually going to know it. Yeah. If yeah. know, I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm going to know it. You know. And so I've been fortunate in my life. <clears throat> excuse me. In my life, um, uh, I had A&R job, A&R at a and R job, an R position at a major company. Okay. Uh, I had my own. I had my own label. Um, with uh, Charlie Wilson and, mm. and and Rick James uh, cameos, FOS, yeah. can function, The System, um, yeah. all on the same label. Uh, you know, so I've i i I've, I've learned some things and I've had some fun and I've gotten some awards for accomplishing some of that stuff. You know, mm. so I never got rich. I I got I got the awards and not necessarily the rewards, but but I have children that are in college. Mm-hmm. uh from uh from my second family um okay the, the u n l v college and
1: uh oh my no, wife went
2: no, to u n l v okay yeah and, um, no no druggers and everything. and I'm uh, okay. from my first family uh when i was nineteen year olds, nineteen year old nineteen years old when i got married oh, uh, my my sons uh both of them are service managers at major car dealerships back in Excellent. Cleveland, and they're good cats and, uh, good. and I said no white beaters, no druggers and stuff. So sure. I, you know what? I'm good, John. You know what I mean? And I, You did great. I got me a, a kick ass tennis saxophone. Right. Uh got me a you know uh a, a pretty young lady uh, that I've been good. with for four years. Uh and I'm I'm fortunate enough to have my health and uh and again, yeah. you know, I I look more, you know, forty eight or fifty than my age and I yeah, and I work out and I stay in shape, and um, and I'm blessed that way, you know. Oh, good uh, for you. So, so you know, I'm not. Um, I had the, I had the Mercedes Benz, I had the Corvettes, you know, had yeah, a real, yeah. had a Rolls Royce, you know, had I, I had all that, dude, you know. And I look back at it, when I look back at it, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't what that was about, you know what right. I mean? That that wasn't uh-huh. what what I was really what I really wanted, you know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of, yeah. at the end of the day, man, you want you want to uh you just want to be happy. You know, again I have um I hadn't recorded anything in close to to fourteen years and now it's it's running out of me like water, you know what I mean? So Really So, so yeah, and all I want to do, John, I wanna just book in my career. And the band came out and with the, the Kensman Dance record, everybody said, Wow, who are these guys? Um, I'm really digging them. We didn't have no uh-huh. smashes but but you said, Wow if it sells ten sells ten copies but they say wow, this is a kick-ass album. Yeah. And I have bookend Good. my career. Good. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, I, and I was asked before, they said, Bobby, what would you do, you know, if you could do this no more and if it's not going like this and so forth and so on? I said, you know what? I don't know if you know the story about Brother Rabbit. <laughs> but Brother Rabbit, got he, he kicked him into thrown him back in the briar patch that's yeah. where he came from. Yeah. And I said, if I go back and I'm in a club, and it's club, club holds sixty or seventy people, and, and there's somebody in the front row blowing cigarette smoke in my face while I'm playing some jazz. That's where I came from. Yeah, and I'm yeah. good to go. Good. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's what I'm used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. I mean, is. Okay. That's what I'm used to, man. You're not doing. Yeah. You're not doing anything. I got. I have. A, I through all through all my life, I have a story to tell. I believe you it. You know, and and so so everyone can tell that story. They can tell okay. similar stories, but they can't tell my story.
3: Right. You know, right. from
2: my perspective, uh because they're not me.
3: Yeah. You know, and, and uh I got I had
2: a lot of guys or my brothers that, that I loved them, uh, in a certain kind kind of way, like brothers and didn't sure. get the didn't get the love back, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. but I as I got smarter and I realized it through the years, John, it's like my job as a leader is to present a quality unit. Mhm your loyalty to me is my ability to pay you. Yeah. Your your job to me is to learn and play my stuff the way it needs to be played. Got uh, it. you being my friend or my brother again is it's not important. Yeah.
1: You know, if it. it happens
2: in school, yeah. But it's not important. And I got yeah. you know, Skip is still here uh from back in the day. Yeah. And he's been, you know, through a lot and around the corner, but we're back and we've been, you know, been uh, on the road together for over ten something years now. Uh Donnie Sykes is uh uh he's a youngster. He's thirty nine years old and um sounds like Bruno Mars, but he, he uh was with Universal uh over in Japan with the Universal um uh thing, doing the uh Michael Jackson thing. Uh he's done Tyler Perry plays, uh he's done background on on, on T V uh behind Beyonce and stuff and, and he's one of his, he's a he's a team player. Good. You know, um uh, on time professional love and it's fun. You know, I, I you know, I have fun and these and these young cats out of Detroit that I use in the rhythm section, they're, they're in their thirties and they've been, yeah. again done, I'm back to where I where I was when I stayed Jump and they ask me boss. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. If you're going to yep. be the
1: boss, you can't have well, like any egos. Like yeah. everyone
2: on the same it, page. Yeah, and I won't. Yeah. I won't ask them to do anything that I won't do myself. Right, right. I mean that's the part about it. You know, back yeah. in the day. But the dance band, man, I mean, we had a rehearsal place that was great and so forth and so on. But, I mean, I found myself sweeping up, you know, beer bottles garbage and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, uh, because I, I couldn't stand to be in a nasty space. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so you can do things by example, you know. I mean, I, I never, I couldn't tell you what cocaine, cocaine. what kind of effect cocaine would have on me because I never did it. You know, um, I smoked a joint one time back in Columbus, Ohio. I still remember it, and I, I remember how paranoid it made me, and I wanted to fight some guy that was sitting in the front.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. Know,
2: and, I, and I was about twenty, about twenty-two years old, and I said, "Nope, I won't do that anymore." You know, and uh, yeah, and I, and I, and you you try to set example if being a leader, and and you, then you find that you. You can only do so much, and it doesn't work. And people want sure. to succumb to yeah. different uh, traps and entrapments out here, and that's what happened, you know, in the band. Yeah. I mean, so so as sad as all that is, you know, I and mean, then we've lost some members, um, you know, throughout the years, and uh, uh, you know, uh, and that's the sad part, you know, I mean, yeah, it, um, yeah. <clears throat> Uh But uh, you know, so you're a survivor, do you you're doing? still doing yeah. it. If you can still deliver
1: the shows. Yeah. It sounds like you can, then yeah.
2: Yeah. you should be
1: set for a while until yeah. especially if your health is good. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, I wanna I wanna close it out with asking a couple of questions that I ask everyone. First of all, I one simple mm-hmm. thing. Your all your most of your early albums are not on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. I mean they're mm-hmm. kinda if you're not a Vinyl collector, it's difficult to get your hands on all those early Dazz Band albums. Right? Is there? What's the deal? Is there any chance any of that stuff
2: becomes well, actually, readily available? Yeah, yeah. Amazon has everything. You know, that's yeah, that's sure. true. That's true. You know, they, yeah, you can get it all on. Uh, yeah, we can, we we've gotten. I, I've gotten. I've ordered vinyl, um, and also, you know, it's funny, John. You know, uh, some places they have new vinyl. You know what I mean? Yeah, new albums. Yeah. They have vinyl, and then you'll they'll have uh yeah, uh I found some of my old records in some of these places that were, yeah. were, in, were in pristine condition, uh, but you can get it. You can, you know, Amazon for sure, and then some of some okay. of these. There's so many bootleg kind of Jewish yeah. man that that that, right. that that the internet. You know, internet comes with a with a double edged sword, man. It, it's sure. um, you you know you see you see so much revenue that you never even can 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 count or see and even know how right. to get to you know at the same time. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: yeah. Okay.
2: Uh,
1: okay. So well, I want to know what maybe your your biggest regret might be. If there's something, if there's a decision you made along the way that altered, you know, anything negatively that you wish you hadn't made, I want to know if there's one of those. And But then secondly, I want to know what your tastiest memory is. The thing at 72 years old, it's Saturday, when you think back and you're just like, I cannot believe this happened to me. And maybe it's something like meeting Malcolm X, or maybe it's, you know, performing as well as you probably did in Vegas just the other day. What is that tasty memory? I want to know that. Uh,
2: Well, um, regrets. Um, I have a business regret.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um, When I went from Motown to Geffen, uh, Skip had left the band, didn't have a lead singer. I had a great budget to do a record. And because of economics uh, and the guys need money, I had to hurry, you know, I hurried and triggered that deal. Yeah. When I should have waited and got me a sticker, and I should have gone, you know, well, it should have it's negative, but, but, I, but at that particular time, Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam were hot. Yeah. I'd, have, I'd have gone to Minneapolis, yeah. I'd have found me a singer, gone to Minneapolis, let them record two songs on me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then I would have gone and dealt with Babyface in LA. And let them record two songs. I mean, then I'd have done the rest of the record because I I think out of those two, I probably would have been guaranteed two hit records.
3: Yeah. And I had the
2: kind of deal structure where at Geffen, at had it been done a particular kind of way, um, if I sold 400,000 records for the next record, I got $400,000. If I sold Ooh. 600,000 records for the next record, I got $600,000. If yeah. I sold double platinum. You, know, get, you follow me? You know that that's yep, how that went, yep, yep. and and so that was a business I think that I that I did not see then. You know I did yeah. I just didn't I did not see then. And of course you know all all the you know the guys that have you know passed away you know yeah. they, they died too young. that I regret you know from a yeah. from a from a person personal standpoint because they're they they were my little brothers. You know that's yeah. how I look at them uh, contrary, to how they might have looked at me. I I, I looked at them that way. You know. In a okay. musical aspect, Understood. that's what yeah. I that's what I say. Uh, other than that, I had a good ride. I look, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, whenever you can learn something, man.
1: Sure.
2: When you can come out of something and you learn something, it's like okay, um, i have gone in the gym and, and now I got some I got some muscles showing that weren't showing before because I keep going to the gym. Well, you have some I got I have some knowledge after all this that I can give to somebody else. Um and then I, when I get into these seminars and talk, I can talk about it, you know, intelligently and give and get yeah. the you know, get somebody else something. So Okay. Yeah.
1: Good. Okay. And, and uh, then what's your tasty memory? Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, I well, you know what I loved? I loved back in the day, like eighty two, eighty three, eighty four, um I love those Budweiser Fests. Um they were at the stadium. Uh huh. And um, you had a stadium full of people, and uh, uh, the cream, the cream of the cream, you know, acts, and we were part of that. You know, um, uh, that was that was some great that was some great times. You know, when you when you we were we were, we were rolling. You know, you, you look out the window, and you're in a three hundred thousand dollar coach. You know, and, and 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 your crew is doing another coach, and you're you're going down the road, <laughs> and you're working seven months uh after a year, man, and you're saying, "Wow, this is this is this is great," and you're thinking that it'll never stop. Yeah, and it does. But those experiences, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap for the world. Good. You know, I, I don't have, I can't really kind of say regrettable or whatever because you know all that I wanted, like I said, was I didn't want to be, I didn't necessarily, didn't think I would be married at 19 years old. Yeah. But but I just wanted to play my horn, yeah. come out, come out sounding close to John Coltrane as I could, mm-hmm. and, 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 <laughs> and, yeah. and Cannonball athlete, you know, he's a favorite yeah. of mine, and Charlie Parker, and all those guys, and, and, and play jazz, and travel to go to go to Europe during the during the winter, and be in New York during the summer. You know, that's all yeah. I want. That's all I want.
1: Well, it sounds like you got pretty much everything in those glory days, getting yeah. up shoulders, and even today, I mean, there's still a demand for the Daz Band to mm-hmm, come mm-hmm. put on shows. And, yeah. I mean, you've got it,
2: you know, you yeah. had a
1: great life. Yeah, well, I good. met some wonderful
2: people, John, you know what I mean? I, met the, I mean, I've met a plethora, I mean, you know, Stevie I believe Wonder, it. and Robinson, you know, uh, uh, you know just on and on, on Earth, we in fire camp, the, you yeah. know, a confunction. I, I made, I've got some brothers that, that we can sit and talk about stuff that, that came out before I did, you know what I mean? So I've made yeah. it a lot, have a lot of uh uh relationships in his business that uh you know that i'm happy you know that i'm happy to have and sit down yeah. and agree with those guys and um you know um, it's, it's 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 cool man good, <laughs> good. i'm glad yeah. you deserve it
0: there you have it bobby harris so you guys will have to tell me i as you know love this kind of music and i am hoping to bring on more guests in fact Bless his heart, Bobby connected me with a lot of other bands that came up in conversation in this interview, and I'm hoping to one day get more of those people on. As I mentioned, for whatever reason, R&B artists are some of the hardest people to track down. I don't know that they're just, you know, manning their social media or their websites very often or whatever, but anyway, I'm hoping to bring on some of the people that we talked about in here. But if that's not your thing, I mean, we primarily talk about rock in here. If that's not your thing, tell me, but I love it. So thank you, Bobby, for talking to me. And guys, go out and get you a Daz Band Greatest Hits. It is so worth it. We're closing it out here with one of their hits called Shake It Up. I love this song. A uh, little teaser for next week. We are having another listener request. It is one of the. He's the front man to one of the great unsung bands from the 90s. Um, Should have been, wasn't. But still a highly respected, excellent band. I hope you guys will come back for that. Uh, And also, as always, a huge thanks to Yan, the man, for helping us out, putting everything together. You guys know the drill by now. You can find us on Facebook and like the page. Uh, You can communicate with me on there. Or you can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at The Thanks, everybody. We will see you next Tuesday.